This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Divers from America's Navy are working to recover debris from the Chinese balloon that an American fighter jet shot down Saturday over the Atlantic. The Pentagon confirmed it was downed over American territorial waters. But China accused the Biden administration of, quote, seriously violating international conventions. China has denied that the balloon, which the Pentagon detected flying over sensitive military sites, was used for surveillance. Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, claimed to have pardoned, quote, tens of thousands of prisoners, including some arrested in recent anti-government protests. The death of Masa Armini, a young woman arrested in September for not wearing a, quote, proper headscarf, sparked daily demonstrations. To quell demonstrations, the authorities locked up nearly 20,000 people, sentencing over 100 to death. Ukraine's defence minister, Oleksiy Reznikov, will be replaced following a corruption scandal. Mr Reznikov's deputy resigned after media reports accused the defence ministry of graft, but Mr Reznikov had said he would step down only if Volodymyr Zelensky, the country's president, asked him to. Kirill Budinov, the head of military intelligence, will reportedly take his post. The presidential election in Cyprus will go to a runoff next week after no candidate won an outright majority. Former Foreign Minister Nikos Christodoulides took 32% of the vote. Mr Christodoulides' lead was expected, but Andreas Mavroyanis, a career diplomat backed by a left-wing party, was a surprise runner-up. On the divided island, only Greek Cypriots participated in the vote. General Pervez Musharraf, a former president of Pakistan who seized power in a military coup in 1999, died aged 79. Mr Musharraf oversaw a period of rapid economic growth, but was criticised by some for using the military to silence critics and for supporting America's post-9-11, quote, war on terror. Mr Musharraf left office in 2008 and spent his later years in exile in Dubai. Foxconn, a Taiwanese electronics manufacturer, with factories in China, reported record revenues of 660 billion Taiwanese dollars, $22 billion, in January, an increase of 48% year-on-year. The firm, which makes about 70% of Apple's iPhones, has recovered after severe disruptions caused by China's zero-Covid policy. Foxconn reported that its factory outside the Chinese city of Zhengzhou has returned to normal levels of production. Charles Bronson, one of Britain's most dangerous prison inmates, launched an online sale of new artwork ahead of a gallery exhibition later this month. Mr Bronson has spent much of the past 50 years in solitary confinement, but has created a market for his cartoons. Born Michael Peterson, he renamed himself after the American actor, but now goes by Charles Salvador, after his artistic hero, Salvador Dali. And fact of the day, 1.2 million, the number of fishing licenses sold in the state of Minnesota in 2020, roughly one for every five residents. 
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. On Monday, India's central bankers begin a three-day monetary policy meeting at which they are expected to announce a small increase in interest rates. That will probably be the final rise in the current tightening cycle. The Reserve Bank of India is softening its stance because price rises are slowing. In December, annual inflation fell for a third consecutive month to 5.7%, its lowest level in more than a year. In last week's budget, the government announced plans to rein in spending, which should also help keep prices down. But as one fire fizzles, another looms. Several of India's largest banks are exposed to the Adani Group, the giant conglomerate that has been rocked by allegations of fraud. The RBI insists the banking sector remains resilient and stable. Commercial banks have also played down any concerns. But should the fallout worsen, the RBI, which has mandate for maintaining financial stability, may be back firefighting. A Transatlantic Discussion on Green Subsidies Margaret Vestiger's early career was so impressive that it inspired Borgen, a hit TV show about Danish politics. Now, as the competition boss of the European Commission, Miss Vestiger wields one of the EU's sharpest economic swords, fierce competition rules, and their enforcement. Those weapons curb corporate power and egregious state support used to prop up national champions. But many EU governments, in particular the French, would like to blunt Miss Vestiger's sword. They argue that the American government's ambitious and expensive plans to build up green manufacturing require Europe to respond in kind, with large subsidies. No doubt to Miss Vestiger's dismay, the EU's new green industrial strategy weakens Europe's competition rules and allows governments to spend more lavishly. On Monday, Miss Vestiger will speak to America's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, who oversees the tax credits that form the backbone of America's ambitions, in an attempt to limit the transatlantic fallout over subsidies. Not quite the stuff of noirish Scandinavian drama, but important for Europe's economic future. The UN's Priorities for 2023 When preparing a set list, musicians must give the crowd fresh material as well as old classics. Antonio Guterres, the UN's Secretary General, faces a similar challenge when he outlines his priorities for 2023 before the General Assembly on Monday. Mr. Guterres is fond of grim proclamations. In recent months, he has warned of nuclear annihilation and climate hell. Expect to hear such refrains again as he warns of the risks posed by Russia's war in Ukraine, spiraling inflation, and rising temperatures. But he should also offer something new. Watch out for mention of the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. 17 targets for 2030 that cover everything from peace to renewable energy. Progress is assessed every four years. The next stock take is scheduled for September. Mr. Guterres will probably warn governments to pick up the tempo. Otherwise, he will be forced to carry on singing the same tune. 
Anglicans Debate Same-Sex Marriage Gay marriage was legalized in Britain in 2014, but no religious organization can be compelled to carry out same-sex weddings. When the Church of England's governing body, the Synod, convenes on Monday for a four-day session, the issue will be at the top of the agenda. In January, the Church said it planned to allow clergy to bless same-sex unions but would continue to ban gay couples from marrying in its churches. When the Synod debates the proposal this week, progressives may push for that ban to be lifted. The Church's membership seems to be coming around to the idea. Some 55% and almost three-quarters of those under 50 support same-sex marriage, up from 38% in 2013. But Anglicans elsewhere in the world are less liberal. In August 2022, Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches, which represents around 75% of Anglicans worldwide, reaffirmed its view that homosexuality is incompatible with Scripture. The Church of England risks destabilizing the Anglican Communion entirely. Marvel Films Return to China Chinese cinephiles will line up this week for the country's first showings of Wakanda Forever, Disney's Oscar-nominated follow-up to Black Panther. The studio's Marvel superhero flicks have a big following in China. Wakanda is especially eagerly awaited, as it is the first Marvel movie to be granted a release in China since 2019. No one is sure why China banned the previous lot. The content may be one reason. In 2021, The Eternals introduced Marvel's first gay superhero. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, also released in 2021, depicted Asian culture in ways that may have triggered China's censors. Neither was shown in China. A bigger motive may have been to protect domestic movie makers. Patriotic hits like The Battle at Lake Changjin do better when Disney is shut out. No reason was given for Marvel's sudden return, but a population that has become restless with COVID clampdowns needs cheering up. Not bread and circuses, but bread and cinema. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which band, which had their greatest success in the 1980s, had hits with Something About You and Lessons in Love? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. The highest state is laughter. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.